South Padre Island is five hours away from here, mm-hmm. and it is an island. Mm-hmm. Are so we're five hours away from the coast well, of Texas, the Gulf dip- Coast. Well, no, we're closer. Depends which way you go. Well, if you go east, that's close. Well, if we go direct east from here, we'll never get to the coast. So southeast. We'll, yeah, if we go like southeast, then we can get to the coast in maybe like three hours. You told me there was no weekend places that we could drive to. I told you this before. I said we can go to um, Corpus Christi, I think. Corpus Christi, you said, was for uh, trash, blue collar. Yeah, it is. <laughs> You say tomato, I say tomato, trash. You say trash, I say blue collar. (laughs) All right. It's kind of the same thing, I guess. South Padre Island is like more south. It's like really far south. And then you go, you know, I guess to there's a road. You can drive to it, right? And it's just like a beach. We can get like an Airbnb for the weekend. Really? Yeah. Yeah. What about one of those Instagram Airbnbs where you go sleep in a bubble somewhere mm. for pictures or something? Well, we can just sleep on the beach, too. We can get a tent Ooh. and sleep under the stars like a homeless person. People do that in Puerto Rico. Yeah. They, People do that they, right here. They camp out. Is this the podcast? No. Are we doing the podcast? Yeah, just talk. Oh. Okay. Don't make it all. Don't make a big production about oh, it. Oh, I didn't know. I thought... Well, we were gonna every time we start a podcast, there's such a production about starting that I figured if I caught you just lightly arguing with me, that you'd be more natural. Well, I'm, I'm natural. <laughs> you know, like that light arguing that couples do? It's kind of like bickering, really. Like not even barely bickering. It's mm-hmm. barely at the level of bickering because neither one of us has insulted the other really or offended anybody so we're just kind of lightly pressuring each other discussion wise yeah yeah uh, what is bullying that? yeah it, mutual bullying you think that's bullying yeah that's what a relationship is it's, it's like you're pushing right it's two-way bullying <laughs> we you know this men bu- bully women in one way and then women bully men psychologically which you're better at yeah so we have to be yeah, I can't. We can't. We can't have a brawl in a bar somewhere. I can't smash a stool over your back. Yeah, men right? are like, and you can't uppercut me into through a window. So, one of us will get arrested. Right, but male bullying is like when you have a re- really powerful army, like Russia, let's say, mm-hmm. or you know, Russia after World War II, let's say. Uh, we have lots of tanks because Russia has a really huge army. Mm-hmm. Tanks, missiles, <laughs> uh, tons of manpower. Sure. All sorts of firearms, just a huge army, a, mm. an impressive degree of military might. Mm. But women's bullying is like cyber warfare. Williams, women's bullying is what leads to men even raising an army in the first place. I guess. Yeah. Yep. It's all, it's all your mom's just nitpicking and your girlfriend's. You know, it's like, why do, they, why do they have corn and we don't have corn? We don't have any corn here. They have all the corn. And you're gonna say, is that you're just going to take it? I got to fucking live here in this life with no corn and they have corn like around the border. You know, if you were a man, you'd like go get the corn. 
Yeah, you go, you go find a way to get corn. You go to your friends and you're like, uh, dude, listen, man, we got to get that corn. <laughs> think, and then the guy uses the same thing. Like, think about it, dude. Why did they have all the corn? Yeah. And yeah, we you don't start have rationalizing. Any and then his friend is like, yeah. Yeah, that's true. In fact, my wife was saying the same thing. Yeah. Let's all get together. Let's take these this farming equipment <laughs> and use it to stab these people <laughs> and take their corn. Yeah. Think about it. <laughs> That's human civilization. Is women, women coming up with an irrational reason to be discontent and men trying to rationalize a way to agree with them and get them what they want. Right. Get them what they want by killing a bunch of people and then the women are still not satisfied. And then they all get together and they walk over to the other village to get their corn and the other guys are like, Hey, what's that? A bunch of guys with farming equipment. They're coming over to help us. Yeah. Let's wave. And then there's that one guy that's like, wait a minute. My wife was just telling me about this. <laughs> they're going to come and get all our corn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, their wives are going like, don't fucking trust them. I, I met his girlfriend. She's a bitch. She just wants our corn. She's a fucking bitch. She's jealous. She fucking wants our corn. Or as they say in ancient times, maize. Maize. Maze. Do the Native American accent. You're good at it. You have a deep voice. You have a good voice. Maze. For that. Yeah. Maze. Corn. Corn. Well, you sound like Homer Simpson, right? Yeah. Now. Well, Homer Simpson actually originally was supposed to be Native American. They That's were trying to do a Native American voice in the early Simpsons episodes, and it just that was the idea. So the voice actor was like, "I'm Homer Simpson." Yeah. Like that? Right. Marge. Yes. Get over here. Where's we have to feed we, we have to plow the corn. That that was the original Homer Simpson? Yeah. He Is that why to, he's yellow? Exactly. <laughs> well, he was they were doing like a weird thing where they were like the color of the corn. Oh, I see. Or something like that. Very high people of the corn. Yeah. But then they changed it. Why do you think they did that? Audience capture. <laughs> they just re they had to pivot. They realized like people don't want to watch Native Americans talk about corn. Yeah. Man. You heard it here behind the scenes. Exclusive inside Hollywood scoop. Is this the longest relationship you've been in? Well, I have been podcasting for quite some time. <laughs> All right. I know. So. I know I can never have been with you for longer than Mike Coscarelli, but is, uh, is this the longest relationship you've had with somebody with boobs? Well, my mother. But she more so has breasts. <laughs> Do I still have boobs? Yeah, you still have boobs. Thank God. <laughs> Wait, does baby suckling make it make them breasts yeah when that's you go basically it. from when you have a kid it goes from boob to breast a breast is an organ a boob is a plaything. well a bre breasts i guess if you're making that distinction i mean they do look more like organs right they get veiny and the nipple gets all chewy and right yeah mm -hmm. that's what it is it's a uh, cow otter that's what you have oh thanks you're so sweet i mean it's all hangy on a cow but on a woman I guess they it's still hangy. Have a yeah, some of them sometimes. 
But I've actually noticed a lot when we're out, there's like a gradient of boob on woman. You can, I mean, you do get a good eyeful of boob here, more so than New York, because the titties, mixed. the titties here are out. I'm saying, what, out. I'm saying the wardrobe choices. But when we were in New York, I think a lot of people also just stopped wearing bras. A lot yeah. of people, the, a lot the of pandemic. women. I'm not trying to be. Gotcha. Yeah, you make know. that clear. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> trying to make it clear is just as bad as trying to make it unclear. A lot of uh, Who, like whether you, you know gender or whatever. You know what it is like the. What would you even call? It? I don't even know what the right terms anymore is. The non-transphobic appropriate. You used to say PC. The word I would want to use now is PC way to say, but that's no longer uh, an up-to-date term. But well, the appropriate way to say things now, you know, about a woman. You want to say, uh, what do you say, uterus having a birthing person. <laughs> uterus having. <laughs> uterus having person. Yeah. To distinguish biological women from biological. Uterus having sounds weird, though. It's like, a, like you might be keeping it in your pocket, you know? Like well, somebody's like, hey, where's your uterus? So you just like start feeling your pockets. You're like, oh, shit. But, yeah, but what, it. It, what it really sounds like is when a politician is trying to say something inappropriate, but use wow. politically correct terms, kind of like uh, when Hillary Clinton, this is back in the day, was trying to use the term hardworking Americans to allude to white people as opposed to black people. You know, she'd be like, so these are <laughs> hardworking Americans Wait, here. how do you know that? This was back in... I don't know. I think her first run as president, like she, Hillary Clinton is just so tone deaf in every way. Just <laughs> like she pulled out the hot sauce before well, and all of these other things. So she would use these, you know, Hillary Clinton and others would use these euphemisms for demographics, politically speaking, but it would just be so try hard and obvious. She'd be like, ah, oh, you know, these, um, these mm, hard uh, working. <laughs> I wish she had paused job like that. <laughs> having middle suburb living melanin deficient individuals. Mm-hmm. She never said melanin deficient, but that's what it sounds like when people talk about the whole yeah. gender and transgender thing. Like you're just trying to tiptoe around a way to not be offensive even if you're saying the thing that you're supposed to say well yeah i think the weird the the effect of it is so strange because basically it makes mundane things that you speak about sound like you are offensive you how can i say this in a way help me out here if you figure out what the hell i'm trying to say but um it makes language it turns all of the language about everyday things turn into like a minefield all of a sudden just by the the usage of those sensitive words like sensitive to identity you know these pc words using those words suddenly makes the stakes higher in your everyday conversation it makes it sound like you're trying to walk around something that isn't there that's the the thing that's weird to me yeah it's like you're treating a regular word like it's a ticking time bomb like it's a minefield you know like the word you're trying to avoid saying is woman, you know, that's insane. And you're acting like it's a bomb. That's that, And like all of those sensitive, like saying personhood and, you know, 
like that's the uh that's you trying to diffuse it you know like you're trying to cut the wires yeah, like it's the stakes are that high like a movie where you're trying to cut the wires so that you can defuse a bomb but the bomb is just an innocuous word do you understand yeah, what I'm it's saying? Like, it, it's like in a movie, if it's that really high tension scene yeah. where you are trying to d- uh, defuse a bomb. Yeah, the guy's sweating. But really what's happening is he's just trying to turn on the light. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it's That's something, what it feels like. It's something really, really mundane. Yeah. Like he's going downstairs <laughs> and he's turning on the toaster. But it's, you know, you have the dramatic yeah. music. He's yeah. sweating. He's just pressing the toast button. Oh, what's going to happen? Ah, yeah. ah, yeah. click. Yeah. Ding. Toast yeah. is done. Yeah. And that's what the effect of that language has had is that it makes just nothing conversation, conversations that you would just take for granted, conversations that just got you through the day to communicate certain ideas to people that mean nothing. Like just saying, like, give me that just makes it like high stakes all of a sudden. And it makes it sound like it just feels like, what are we fighting the Russians? You know? Right. Well, we have to be like uh, our, our language has to be encrypted now. That's the result of being so incredibly navel gazing with our language because we've converged on this way of thinking about ourselves and society and our language really through postmodern terms that enables us to problematize every aspect of language itself. And there's a lot of opportunity there because the entire advantage of human language is the subtlety that we can infuse into our sentences. Words have, especially the English language actually, because the English language is such a hodgepodge of other things. You know, we use words that are borrowed from Latin, words that are borrowed from uh, Greek, all yeah. these sorts of etymological artifacts that are in the English language. And English is also very utilitarian as a language, as opposed to, let's say, maybe Chinese or Russian um, or the Romance languages. English is very bare bones. It doesn't have a lot of flair. It doesn't have too much. Actually, it has a lot of ambiguity, but not nuance. Well, that's probably because of its his long history of being part of empires that are predominantly geared towards mercantilism, towards exactly. uh, markets, not mercantilism. That's a type of um, economic commerce. model. Yeah, commerce. Thank you. So because of that, you have this opportunity to look at the English language and whatever lens that you decide you want to use to do your analysis of the language, you can find things within it to... Um, to satisfy your needs. So Mm -hmm. if your lens is to problematize the English language in terms of colonialism and how it has a bias against one group versus another, you can easily do it. Even something like give me that clipboard is easily probably... Well, what about give? The the idea of giving or being... Or phrasing it in such a way where it's a command more uh, than it is a request. Yeah, being commanding. Then if you're looking at... If you're obsessed with identity and the way postmodern people are, then if I, as a white man, I'm masking you as a half-white woman. (laughs) Hey, (laughs) half-white. That's a great nickname. (laughs) That's like the nickname of a zebra in jail. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're just like, what are you, some kind of court jester? Half-white. What's up? Harley Quinn. It's good. 
Yeah, I mean, so anything can be problematized, and it's just this, we've trained ourselves and the younger generation to be very, you know, um, interrogative of language. and Interrogative. Yeah, and to find these very minute uh, dynamics within the phrasing that they can blow up into this crisis, right? It's just this uh, uh, perpetual... Um, what's the, uh, I, I always get stuck on a word. I, I insist you edit this out. <laughs> I absolutely hate yeah, this Yeah, happens. yeah, yeah. Um, right. You shouldn't edit it out. Just be no. yourself. Don't worry about no, it. No, no, no. You're smart. Everything you just said was smart. I don't, I'm not trying to be smart. I just want to uh, uh, express the, the word correctly. Okay, right? well, do it. Um, uh, hysteria is what I'm saying. Right, This, yeah. this like problematizing and uh, hysteria about finding these issues and the most minute things. And really the only result that comes of it is that everybody is just has this extreme baseline of anxiety always. You can talk about the most mundane shit, but your anxiety is going to get ramped up. Totally. And that all of that gets exacerbated by social media and then enabled by social media uh, especially on TikTok and other platforms where you're in a way you're rewarded by expressing your anxiety. Mm-hmm. You know, you just record a video of yourself freaking out about something or just talking about how you feel anxiety or finding some sort of community that talks about their anxiety. So it's just something that's it's a positive feedback mechanism. It just incentivizes people to double down on these, you know, mostly pathological ways of behaving and seeing the world. And... That just sucks as a, in general, right? It's just a lot of people are, the result of all of this is that a lot of people are living very unfulfilling and distressing lives. And what other purpose could there even, is even virtuous to strive for than to live more um, uh, uh, satisfying and, uh, you know, lives of equanimity? Yeah. Well, I think the part that makes it so deeply unsatisfying is how ultimately inauthentic it is. It's an inauthentic way to engage with language and with other people via that language to kind of be disingenuously reading into what somebody's saying when it's convenient for you or when there's some ulterior motive on your part or when you have some kind of crusade that you've taken up the mantle of right to fight supremacy or to fight this or that or misogyny or whatever the binary whatever your thing is you know I think ultimately it's going to be used as a vehicle for prototyping augmented reality because this is I think how you start to do that like psychologically is to interact with the world right but then at the same time, you're getting, you're being immersed virtually, right, on social media with another kind of culture that kind of blankets itself over those daily interactions in such a way as to color them and to inform them in that kind of subtext that you were talking about, where a person's talking to you, they're having one interaction, but you've been conditioned to see the world through the patriarchy, right? So all of the things that they're saying that they don't intend in uh, the way that you're taking it, you're taking it as patriarchal, right? 
or like that ticking time bomb of like they're communicating with you and they're saying all of these bomb words that cause that hysteria in you that anxiety because you start to think that you're realizing that this person's a misogynist but they're just using language functionally and you're using it uh functionally but then with the subtext of that augmented reality you know like that double reality that you're being fed from you know whatever online community you belong to yeah that's actually an interesting i think that's how that starts because right now you're absolutely right that people are being predisposed to see things within a certain perspective so on top of your baseline experience you have this meta experience right of a form of hyper reality that is laid on top of your reality but you're doing that yourself right so it's like your brain is like an ai you know like those um uh, uh situations where well, AI. ai is being trained on puppies right and then you show it a picture of a castle or something like that and it's that like really trippy psychedelic um landscape of everything is puppies you ever see those videos of ai yes yeah where it's all bleeding into it looks looks like a nightmare yeah it looks like a, a, the worst acid trip you will ever have <laughs> yeah. where everything is puppies and yeah. it's all They're creepy bleeding into each the other floor is puppies yeah. the <laughs> your arm is puppies yeah <laughs> <laughs> It's like a 47-year-old fat lady's t-shirt. Yeah. That's what the word looks like, the world. Yeah, like tucked into her rolls. Right. Yeah. yeah it's yeah, just yeah. puppies everywhere and tie-dye. So that's essentially what you're doing psychologically to yourself. You're ab- absorbing all of this content and then every piece of media that you're receiving, and by media I mean very broadly, even talking to another person is a form of media, right? You're receiving communication. That's exactly what I'm saying. But so, even- And then you see that communication in terms of the things you see. But I think what's interesting about what you said is that right now people rely on their own psychology to derive that perspective. But what if once we become even more immersed in technology, so beyond phones, uh, Apple is going to be coming out with their Apple glasses and then Meta uh, AKA Facebook is doubling down on the metaverse and other AR technology, like augmented reality technology. So the phone thing is going to become deprecated. I don't know how much longer we're going to be using these rectangular uh, portals Devices. that we yeah. that we carry around with us and stare at all day long. Eventually, people are going to want to be in it. Well, they're going to, you know, because right now we have to like, uh, our bandwidth is very limited by phones. We're constantly just staring down at these devices because effectively everybody in the world has become a sort of cyborg mm-hmm. where our um, access to information is extended using these devices via the internet. But it's a very clunky interface because you still have to use your hands and your eyes on this little screen to do everything. And there's a huge advantage to taking all that information and delivering it more seamlessly, obviously into your field of vision and then using other gestures like maybe your eye position, eye tracking. They're doing, you know, making tons of progress developing products in the, to that effect. So once we have a pair of glasses, for instance, 
Meta partnered with Ray-Ban to create a pair of glasses that looks just like a regular pair of glasses with a screen built in. And you put these on and you can get, you know, your notifications, emails, texts. I, I don't know to what degree it's actually functional. But once we have a seamless functional replacement for the iPhone to overlay your field of vision and maybe even your audio, then these sorts of augmented reality hyper-reality experiences can be delivered to you actively. You don't even have to rely on your own brain to see how something is problematic. And we're already seeing things on YouTube where if you watch a video that they deem is that has some sort of misinformation, they're going to put some disclaimer under it saying like, this video is... Blah, blah, blah. Now imagine that you're talking to somebody and they say something that's problematic and then your field of vision just... It's going to look puts like the, a, the Terminator. Yeah. You know how the Terminator has the glass? It goes... White male, 35. Cultural <laughs> appropriation. Yeah. Cultural appropriation. Yeah. Destroy. Destroy. It's crazy. Disengage. Disengage, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's like we're we're turning into the world's lamest terminators. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so these guys are here. I gotta go down there and tell them what to do. Well, this has been twenty eight minutes. This is fine. We'll cut it into something super short. We'll do it next time, next Saturday. Mm, okay. But anyway, to be continued. This was an interesting conversation. So, yeah. Bye. <laughs>